As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular. New for 2018, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be contested at IHRA tracks around the country with a $10,000 to win Saturday race and a $5,000 to win Sunday race. By pre-entering the Saturday race for only $150, you will receive entry to Sunday's race for free. In addition, today's show is presented by the 8th Annual JEGS Summer Door Car Shootout, which returns to I-57 Drag Strip in Benton, Illinois, on July 20th through the 22nd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. All right, Luke. So this is the obviously the part of the show where we talk about what everyone is talking about. And unfortunately, probably the most uh, unpopular way to start a podcast or any discussion is happening again for us um, as we lost a couple of racers this weekend in racing accidents. Uh, I know you know about it. I'm sure most of the people listening know about it. But John Blackshear lost his life at Big Country Raceway in uh, Abilene and Randy Alexander uh, lost his life in an accident at uh, Atlanta Dragway and Top Sportsman over the weekend. Just uh, heartfelt condolences to the families and friends that were affected by those two incidents. And man, I, this is happening more and more, it feels like, or I'm not real sure if it's happening more and more. We just know about it more and more, but it is definitely uh, the way we do not like to start the show. 
No, it was definitely a, a bad Saturday for the sportsman drag racing community. And one that I don't just, it's, it seems to have resonated. Like, I don't know about you, Jed. I can't speak for the rest of the racing community, but it's been hard to get this off of my mind since. This was this was a pretty good blow. Yeah, it was. It, it, it's just, obviously, we know there's dangers in what we do. And these things can happen to any of us. But doggone it, you just, you don't want it to be reality. You want it to just be something that could happen. You never want it to be something that did happen. Yeah, as as you mentioned, Jed, I, I think it goes without saying that, like the entire racing community, our hearts go out to the families of Mr. Blackshear, Mr. Alexander, along with all the lives that they've touched along their journey, both within our sport and, and beyond it. And as you mentioned, I don't know... If situations like this are happening more often than in the past, it feels like they are. But as you've mentioned, maybe it's just that we're more aware of them in today's digital world. Uh, we don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're in a tough spot here because maybe I'm overblowing our importance. But I feel like there is a section of the racing community that that looks to this show and to our words for support in a situation like this. And I just don't think there's anything that we can say that hasn't already been said. And let's be honest, there's nothing we can say to make it better. Like words in these situations seem trivial. The one thing that I can't get out of my head, like while our, our heart obviously goes out to the, the families affected, I kind of want to focus on, on the rest of us. And maybe that's a selfish lens to look through in this instance but i think it's the way a lot of us are looking at it like those of us that weren't necessarily close to randy or or to john outside of the the brotherhood that tends to bond us all as as competitors while most of us don't talk about it many of us refuse to even think about it death is obviously it's it's a unavoidable it's a natural fact of life and I, i say natural like i think you could make the argument that Death is one of the most natural facets of life. However, when life ends as the result of an elective activity, you know, in this case, racing, an activity that I think we all have to admit is more dangerous than most. Death feels like anything but unavoidable and anything but natural. And I think in the aftermath of these accidents, all of us, to some degree, we have to take a step back and say, what am I doing here? Like, why am I doing this? Is it worth the risk? I know I've asked myself those questions. I assume you have too, Jed. And sure. like many of you, as I get older, and specifically now with a, a wife and you know, start a family of our own, you know, people that actually like depend on me, those questions, they require a little bit more thought. You know what I mean? A little bit more attention more than they ever did when I was a kid, when you just didn't have those types of fears. I'm not going to tell any of you listeners how to think or try to make that decision for you. Like, it's extremely personal. But I think that these situations force us all to take a step back and realize that could have been me. For most of us, we'll reconcile those thoughts with some sort of justification to continue in, in in my personally, you know, to, to justify that, like I love our sport. I always have. And most of us, myself included, feel as though we've grown as individuals throughout my life as a result of this sport. Like I have no idea where where I would be if it wasn't for drag racing. 
And for many of you, again, myself included, the most fulfilling relationships in my life were developed at the racetrack. So that's how I reconcile and justify continuing competition. But whatever your personal reason is, like you likely accept the risk and feel that the reward outweighs it or at least balances it to justify it somehow. And to the outside world, I think that reconciliation probably sounds ridiculous, like particularly in the wake of such tragedy. But yet, I think I'm speaking for most of the racing community when I say that's the decision that most of us will ultimately reach. Regardless, I think the introspection is important, like that moment to honestly ask yourself, is this really what I want to be doing? Because this could be any of us. And if and when we make that decision to continue, I just hope that moments like this make us all very aware of the responsibility of competition within our sport. Like responsibility in two parts. To our fellow competitors, we are in quote-unquote control of vehicles capable of mass destruction and we all realize that anything can happen but it is our responsibility to do everything within our power to make sure that we're not endangering the competitor in the other lane or the other competitors and spectators at the racetrack any more than is absolutely necessary and the second part of that like i feel like we have a responsibility to ourselves this stuff is dangerous. If days like Saturday don't make that clear, I don't know what will. I've gone on record here before saying that the safety equipment you wear and the way you go about your business is just that. It's your business. It doesn't impact me in the other lane. And as unpopular as that was at times, like I'll stand by that. My, my thought process has always been, you take care of you, I'll take care of me. But when you make that decision, and again, it's a personal decision, remember this. All of those rules in the NHRA rulebook or the IHRA rulebook or whatever, if they weren't written in blood, they were written in pain. Like they're in there because somewhere, at some point, another racer got hurt or killed. And the folks that look into this type of thing believe that this rule could have saved them or given them a better chance. So the rules are there for a reason and i don't mean I, I i'm sorry i got way off on my rant there big jed I, I don't mean to use this tragedy tragedy or tragedies in this instance as an opportunity to get on my soapbox like i said what you do in your lane is your business but if tragedy like this doesn't make you analyze your own program and think about competing within our game as safely as possible then i don't know what will very well said, Luke. And before we move into lighter topics or some more race discussion, we think it's fitting. Let's let's have a moment of silence uh, for the guys and all the people that were affected by these incidents. All right, thanks, everyone, for obliging us there. Jed, let's move on to happier topics. We did have exciting and excellent weekend of racing across the country last weekend let's start where you were at big guy spring fling galat yep the spring fling at galat was another awesome event luke the weather was perfect uh, the car count was full the facility is amazing and all in all just a Another wonderful event, Peter and Kyle and Emily and all the, the folks there at Galat just knocked it out of the park. The action actually started Tuesday 
with a dragster shootout that Jeff Sarah won. And then Wednesday, there was a 15K quote-unquote warm-up race that Kellen Farmer won. Kellen, um, Russ Farmer of Racetech's son, that's his first win. And that was a, a pretty stout field to get your first win in for $15,000, no less. Yeah, good place to pick one up. Yeah, really good. But the, the main action, the main event, if you will, started on Thursday with $20,000 a win and JJ and I got there about 11 o'clock Wednesday night with our good friends Larry and Chris Martin, and we uh, got up Thursday ready to go. Did uh, had a pretty good day, all of us did, but uh, our day ended short. Miss Mia Tedesco, two entries down to five, Luke. I don't know if you were able to watch and keep up, but she had the door car and the dragster down to five. Lost the door car entry there, but took the dragster to the final where she got the win over Tommy Plot. Uh, Tommy making another final round appearance at a spring fling a lot. So uh, that was a really good day for Miss Mia. That's uh, Tommy Plot, former MVP, right? Yeah, yeah, he was the 2017 MVP, Todd's Extreme MVP. Uh, that's a very good memory you have there. Uh, that wasn't in the show notes. You're just that good, Luke. Uh, then they had a door car race, ten thousand dollar to win, thirty two car shootout. This and was the coolest part of the weekend from, <laughs> from where I was watching. Anyway, it was so cool. The baddest of the bad was in this race. I mean, there was uh, great door car racers. And the victor turned out to be Bill Groton. By the way, he got by Bryson Scruggs. Uh, Bryson is uh, uh, Jason Lynch's nephew, as you know, and Indeed. part of that. Yeah, part of that Cars team. So the Cars team almost had a sweep of the day's action. But Bill Groton in a four-door Pontiac Tempest dialed seven forty-eight, seven forty-nine. He won the race. Small tire car, mufflers. The whole deal just looks like a street car, and it's a four-door. I did say that right. It's a Pontiac Tempest. I did say that right. And I didn't know it, okay? So I'm down waiting to do the interview, but I, I go watch the final round trackside at, at each of these, and I see Bill pulling the left lane water box, and he winds her up there in low gear, and he reaches down with his, look like maybe just a finger or two, and pulled the shifter up into second gear on the column. That's fantastic. I was at a loss for words. Uh, <laughs> this this guy's in a ten grand final where he's outlasted at this point thirty other door car racers that have the best equipment money can buy. And Bill Groton shifts her on the column, so I had to go to the starting line and watch. He just lets go of the button and he goes down through there. He is. You know, you've always heard about the, the guys cheating, how they look at the tack and they try to keep, you know, in the dots or whatever. Well, Bill Groton, he ain't cheating. He looks at that tack, I mean, religiously. And he's, <laughs> he grabs that column shifter and puts her in the next gear right on his mark. And he was nasty, making really good runs. And he got by Bryson Scrooge to collect the $10,000 payday. I was just thinking, like, I'm, I, I'd like to think of myself as fairly experienced and successful behind the wheel. <laughs> I would go from first to neutral in a minute. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, I have missed that shift plenty of times. I, I've, had, <laughs> I've had a few old cars you shifted on the column like that. But, but so, the, really, one of the coolest parts of the whole deal was the Winter Circle celebration. I don't know if you got to see that at I all. I saw pictures, yes. Waterman TV. So, we're waiting on Bill to get back. You know, it's like, okay, all right, Bill, come on. We need you. It's taking a little while. Well, Bill shows back up to the winter circle with about eight people in the car. 
and they brought their beer cooler in the back seat. And the back seat just people piling out of it. it looked like something out of the you know the circus or something. See how many people <laughs> you get in the car. They're piling out of this thing left and right. They're celebrating beer cooler back there, and it was a really cool experience it was a great winter circle celebration and really neat to see the old four-door pontiac tempest getting it done so bill was the talk of the event there for a little while but that quickly changed when friday come around luke because uh dalton pearsall got the win over former spring fling million winner jeff verde spring fling million and Million yes. dollar race winner, yes. Jeff Verde, right? Uh, yes, at, at the time, yeah, it was a, I guess it was Cars Million, or might have been the Mickey Thompson Million at the time, but he, he did obviously get both of them. We know that story very well. But Dalton Pearsall, my understanding is it, it might have been his first win. If it wasn't his first win, I know it was his first big check because when we handed him the check, he said, I've been waiting on one of these for a long time. So Dalton got his first Happy Gilmore check. And it just so happened to have $50,000 on it from the Spring Fling Galat. So that was a pretty cool celebration as well. That is a good one to get. Yeah, it was. And then uh, Saturday, we wrapped it up. Another great day at the racetrack. Beautiful weather, big crowd, and no surprise whatsoever. Our boy T-Rock, Troy Williams Jr., uh, rolled him through, got the big win over Mark Siegel. To wrap up the day, he won his $20,000 paycheck to wrap up the night. And, uh, again, Troy, man, he drove really good, Luke, uh, which is, again, we know he does that. That's what Troy Williams does. But Dalton Persall collected his first big check. Troy Williams Jr. did not. <laughs> no, <laughs> got he got, got his first one of the weekend. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he had a masterful performance there. Got by my buddy Larry Martin in the semis. Larry was six dead eight. Uh, I think Troy was 11 on the tree and rolled him through three thou to be dead zero. Just made great decisions. Uh, He was doing that all day. So great job by Troy wrapping it up. But my good friend of Larry Martin. Yes. One of my best friends. One of my best friends. And he, Luke, you know, I don't want to take up too much time in the show, but this is not what Larry does. Larry don't get in the motorhome and load the cars and drive 10 hours. I mean, <laughs> about five hours to Bowling Green is his max distance. Anything past that, he don't even think about it. They can pay whatever they want to pay. He ain't interested. For some reason, he just fell in love. Not for some reason. We know why. He fell in love with the format, the, the purse, the whole deal, and said, you know, I'd like to go to that. So him and his son, Christopher, loaded up. Larry got uh, fifth round in Thursday's race. He got to nine in the 50, and he semied in the uh, last 20 that Troy won. Troy took him out there, as we talked about. But the Todd's Extreme MVP, which is a $1,000 check and a beautiful Simpson Devil Ray carbon fiber helmet with a Todd's Extreme paint job on it with MVP logo and the whole deal. Larry was chosen as the MVP, so that was a really special winter circle discussion with him and, and him getting that MVP, getting out of his comfort zone and driving 10 hours. But he showed what most of us know. It's a car you raced against in a 50 grand final. The car is wonderful. Larry preps it well. And he, he drove the wheels off of it this weekend and got him an MVP performance. But all in all, great event. Big Jed did not fare very well. I uh, got a lot of extra time on the mic because I was not out racing much, but uh, had a wonderful time and 
How was the wheelie it, situation? It, you know, the wheelie situation was perfect. Uh, I haven't made a four-link adjustment since uh, that incident last year. Uh, I set it up pretty much just like I had it last year with the four-link adjustment, and it was doing about a about a two-footer, um, maybe a foot and a half. It was it was just right. So would have no jumped issue. over a coke bottle. It would have jumped over a coke bottle, probably not on the street, but it it did well. <laughs> track was excellent, no issue whatsoever. Just unfortunately, it was good. Uh, the track was good in the other lane too, and my opponents were showing me that. Before we move on to the NHRA side of things, because I don't think you made mention of it, Jed, unless I missed it. There are times when I'm sure you're the same way when I talk on the podcast, you don't really listen and vice versa. But I don't <laughs> I don't think you made mention of it. And I know it's killing you. So just so that our listeners are clear, that MVP of the weekend, Larry Martin, what state does he hail from? He is uh, from Alabama. I know that is hard for people to believe that somebody from Alabama. No, no, actually, that's easy to believe somebody from Alabama pretty much cleaned house and won everything. But Larry is uh, right up the road from me here in Mount Olive, Alabama. So he is uh, not on the Slammas team because, again, that's just something he don't do. He really don't like to go places and race. But he's very worthy of being a Slammer and might have to make him one one day. I just thought I'd tee that up for you, big guy. <laughs> Appreciate that. NHRA action. We had two division races, one national event. Let's start up at Columbus for the Division Three opener. Nothing really jumped out to me there, Big Jed. No, uh, no Team Jed, no Team K Mac, no Team Luke. The one thing that jumped off the page to me was uh, we had a King sighting. The King was there, in effect. Mm. Edmund, the King. Richardson, super comp, champ. That place, I mean, don't get me wrong, he is Edmund Richardson, like he's won just about everywhere. But <laughs> he, he seems to win like every time he shows up at Nat- National Trail Raceway in Columbus. It's uh, one of the honey holes for the king, and that continued. And I don't know what the plan is, but we've mentioned his name on the podcast a few times here in the last few weeks. I know he's at a semifinal finish nationally. Now he's got a divisional win. Been going to a few of these NHRA races. Could we see another King title run in Supercomp in 2018? It sounds like he's uh, definitely getting the results he needs to to make that decision. At least he's got a decision to make. Um, That's a good thing for the King. Bad thing for everybody else. Yeah, it's always a plus when you put to a decision. Let's move from Columbus. Again, not to disparage any of the other winners or runner-ups up there, but we're just trying to hit the high points rather than you guys can get on Drag Race Central and see who won. Let's move down south to Atlanta and the NHRA Southern Nationals. And the thing, there, there's a couple of people that I want to mention here, but I think I want to lead off with the story. Bob Mandel winning top sportsman. If you haven't read it, there's an article. I, I saw it on Twitter from Bobby Bennett at competitionplus.com about Bob Mandel's win. If you haven't read that, you got to read that. Like, just pause the podcast, go read that. <laughs> this, let me set the stage. We talked earlier about Randy Alexander's awful tragic accident that happened in the first round of top sportsman. And, Without just giving a play-by-play of it, Randy was racing against Bob Mandel the third. That's obviously Bob Mandel's junior, Bob Mandel Jr.'s son. And Randy lost control of his car, came across the racetrack, airborne, and was struck by the car of Little Mandel's right after the finish line, 200 plus mile an hour. Uh, you can envision how 
ugliest scene that was. Bob Mandel Jr., that's his son that he's watching go down the racetrack, he was in the water box. The next mm. pair to go down the racetrack. And obviously, you're out. I would assume, go to the end of the track, check on your son. Not only is that his son involved in an awful accident, I assume nobody had true word on Mr. Alexander's condition at that time. Assume that he's fighting for his life. That his son's in one lane, but and and Alexander was a was a longtime customer of Mandel's in the other. So a, a good friend mm-hmm. and your son, and you watch them collide at that ungodly speed. Like I can't even imagine what is going through your mind at that point. And in short order afterwards. Bob returns to his car, straps in, and wins first round, and then goes on to win the event. Again, in that in that story, if you haven't read it, go read it on competitionplus.com. He said, I, I just I never really thought twice about it. I wanted to win the event for Randy. I wanted to take the trophy to his funeral and give it to his wife. And before I read the column, when I just looked through and realized that, okay, he's at the next pair, and then, oh my goodness, how does he come back, strap in the car after that, win the round, and then much less go on to win the whole race. And my, I'll be honest, my first instinct, like, there's no way I could have done that. Like, no way. You know what I mean? I watch uh, a family member go through something like, there's, uh, I'm not getting back in that car in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not 20 minutes removed from it, or whatever the case may be. But I gave it some thought, and then I read that column. And now I have a little bit better understanding of why. Maybe still not necessarily how. I don't know how you pull yourself together at that point and perform. I understand why. And I taught in the open about how moments like this make us, force us to, to reconcile the, the risk of our sport to ourselves and, and question like why we're doing it. And I think top sportsman racers in general – are more aware of that risk than most of us just because like it's arguably the most dangerous category in our form of racing like it doesn't take a rocket scientist they're the fastest cars they're shorter wheelbase like stuff can go wrong so i think top sports and racers in general are a little bit have gone through that thought process but specific to bob mandel i don't remember the timeline i want to say it was a year ago maybe it was two years ago like he was nearly killed himself in an on-track accident at Lawrenceburg at US 43, Mm. just over the Alabama state line into Tennessee. And he recovered from that. And not only is he still racing, his boys are racing. So if there's anybody on earth that has thought through that decision that we talked about, it's Bob Mandel and he's made his decision. So in that context, it's easier for me to see how, he brought himself to do that in that moment because that wasn't a decision that was made in the moment. That's a decision that's been made long ago and says, look, this is weighed the consequences against the benefits. This is what I do. Now I'm going to go do it. And he did. And to do it with, I cannot begin to fathom what all was going through his mind in the moments after in the days since, uh, and to be able to pull it together and, and perform and win the event. And in his own words, take the trophy to the funeral, like, it's it's an amazing story. It really is, Luke. It's uh, I mean, you know how classic that story is that that he wins it in his honor after sitting there in the water box and watching that happen. How you? But I don't want to get into details per se, but I believe 
everybody at the event shortly after the incident felt like they knew the results and how it was going to turn out. It was a very bad accident, unfortunately. So, you know, Bob had to have that weighing on him heavily as he rolled up and let go of the button after the cleanup. So, and then to continue on and stay focused and get the win. It is definitely an amazing story. And again, um, I just, I don't think I could ever even get close to what he accomplished in a moment like that. So uh, great job by Bob, especially considering all the other, but there were other winners and, and people that we need to mention as well, Luke. Yeah, big stories from there that stood out to me. I really thought we would be talking more about Lauren Freer today when I woke up Sunday morning. Uh, I figured she'd be potentially this week's who's hot performer. She had both cars in on Sunday. When you do that at a national event, the way that things are structured now, you've done something. She advanced to the semifinals of Super Gas, and where she lost to Carl Watts, who we'll talk about in just a second. She advanced to the final round of Super Comp, where she lost to, I believe his name is Gene Quinn, the Super Comp winner. So uh, still a great performance from Lauren. A little bit of a kick in the gut to be that close in both cars and not walk out of there with an event trophy. But you make semifinal and a final round in two different cars at the same national event. That's really impressive. So I want to shout out Lauren. I mentioned Carl Watts. We're a little bit homers here, Big Jed. Carl's close <laughs> to, to both of us. Yeah. That was his first national event final, and I was just so cheering him on. He ended up coming up short to Tommy Turner in the final round. But Carl is, I know, been close to you for a long time, Big Jed. He's close to me for probably the last five six years he's adopted me he's been a mentor of sorts in life and in return i've tried to be a mentor of sorts in racing (laughs) carl is a this is bracket racing elite member uh was just super happy for him would have loved to see him close the deal but i think it's coming it was neat to see carl in the final man yeah love carl watts always have uh we've co-workers for quite some time as you probably know and then uh he he left the company to go do his own thing but uh, still have remained very close to carl and his wife kelly and very 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 happy for them i would almost as soon see carl watts win as i had win myself he's he's just that kind of guy so great job carl um hopefully that trophy's coming your way very soon yeah, and the one other uh, result that jumped out to me, Byron Warner, runner-up in Superstock. A week after, his brother Brian was runner-up in Superstock at Charlotte, and they both fell victim of the same fate, turned it red in the final. But uh, Warner's <laughs> making final rounds, and, and, and Byron was runner-up in Superstock to uh, a guy that you're pretty familiar with, Big Jed. Yeah, I'm having trouble reading this red print. Uh, Mm. It went from blue to red for some reason. Oh, I I get it. I see now it's because it was Kevin Helms, and he's part of Team Jed. And we know it. the redder the better, especially when we're putting results in. So great job, Kevin. Appreciate the win in Superstock. Sorry to the Warner family for uh, the red light. But another one on the board for Team Jed. This is starting to feel real good, Luke. I mean, I feel like we're mentioning Team Jed more and more often, so I'm very thankful for that. Good for you, Jed. Put a rose <laughs> on your nose. Right. <laughs> Let's transition to the last, the other division race of the season. This was the Division Six opener all the way up in Boise. And there was a couple of things that, that jumped out to me from Boise. But the first thing, I was just scrolling through the results. And keep in mind, like, it's Division 6. Nothing against Division 6, guys, but I, I don't live anywhere near Division 6. I've never raced in Division 6. I probably don't know 5% of the people at the event, right? So I'm scrolling through. Most of the names don't mean anything to me. But I see the Stock Eliminator Final. And actually, the first thing that caught my eye, Mick 
Valley runner up. I know Mick, right? Yep. Runner up to a guy named Derek Elam. I assume that's the right pronunciation, Derek Elam. And then I look at Derek's dialing, and he went dead on a 1673. And I thought, good Lord, 1673. <laughs> and then I look over, and it re- it's a W stock automatic entry. You don't see those in the final round very often, Mm-mm. Big Jet. No, you don't. And what I'm seeing in the notes here, Luke, didn't happen. Uh, we need to <laughs> we need somebody to verify. There's no way that happened. I mean, what you, it says here, this is courtesy of producer Mark. This is the crack staff research that makes the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast go. <laughs> Mr. Elam's last four rounds, he went 16.73.7 was the final, right? Yes. Okay. Final round, he goes 16.73.7 on a... 1673. The round prior, 1674-4. Those are semifinals. Quarterfinals, 1673-1. Round prior to that, 1673-1. So I'm looking at four runs by a W stock automatic Pinto that covers the quarter mile in a blistering 16.7 seconds. <laughs> and it moved 13 thousandths of a second. And the 74.4, I don't know, let's check the mile per hour, but maybe he ripped it one time. Maybe he was going three there. Who knows? But, I mean, what in I the gotta, world am I looking at? I've had seven-second dragsters that won't do that. Yeah, I got a tube chassis, big, tired, alcohol-breathing, small-block Nova. <laughs> and in a quarter mile, my stuff wouldn't be nowhere near that good, I don't think. <laughs> if it would even make it. I mean, this is unbelievable. 1670s dead on like that that's a heck of a job and um again like you said you don't see w stock automatic cars out there but this hold on hold on on. i'm just looking at this now i think that they ran i may be i may be wrong here i want to say that there were two rounds run on saturday night and third round on a Sunday. I may I'm I'm completely speculating here but we do have i'm I'm looking at drag race central now the the box score we do have those last four rounds within 14 thousandths of a second. In round two, Mr. Elam knocked off Joe Sorensen, who is no stranger to the winner's circle. Like him and mm-hmm. Jody Lang, probably the Division Six stalwarts in this category. Okay. That window that we talked about for the last four rounds, 1673-1 to 1674-4, right? The round prior, yeah. we went six above a 1645 dial-in. Oh, bull. I'm I'm looking at it right now, Big Jed. For round three, we just, we wheeled her on up a tenth. We actually missed the number a little bit. He was 18 above, 1673. Then he dialed 74, went ninth under. Went 74 again, and then dead on 1673 in the final. Come get you <laughs> Did the wind, did they get? You're, like you're dialing a, for the weather, Big Jed. Sometimes 25 mile an hour headwind days. or something? I mean, so, Holy Sometimes cow. you got to swing at a couple of tents. <laughs> we were, we're our dial ins for the race. Again, this is Derek Elam, stock eliminator winner at the Division Six race in Boise. Dial ins for the race 1662. And then we're six above 1645 for round two. Uh, 18 above 1655. We wheeled it on up to a 1674 and went ninth out under, by the way. Luke, that's not happening. Dialed it down to 1671 for the semis, three above, and realized, you know what? This thing might have settled in on the 73. I think about this dial 1673, <laughs> dead on seven in the final. Come get you some. Oh, my gosh. That is unbelievable. Great job, Derek. Fantastic. One more finish of note 
from Boise, and it actually brings us to this week's Zebra Performance, Who's Hot? He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Zebra Performance, Who's Hot? New for 2018, there's Pro Series Billet Carburetors available from Seabrook Performance. These carbs feature high-flow billet main bodies, base plates, and billet metering blocks. They are hard anodized for a corrosion-resistant finish, and they are beautiful. They're available in 750 CFM and larger, and they come with a hard carrying case. You can also get it custom calibrated for each individual customer. Check them out on Facebook or call 785-286-6813. Luke, we got us another hot driver this week. You just yeah, this week's Super Performance Who's Hot was the source of a little bit of internal debate within the show because we could have gone a couple of different directions, and there's obviously bigger events last weekend than in NHRA Divisional, certainly in terms of uh, of dollar figures. But when you run the table at an NHRA Divisional and you win the two classes that you entered, that's worthy of note. So this week's Super Performance Who's Hot goes to Justin Cooper, who did just that. Super comp winner at the Division 6 event in Boise, as well as picking up the Super Street Crown. Now, Justin is no stranger to the winner's circle. He is the defending Division 6 Super Comp champion. But uh, to roll out there at the first event of the season and kick off the 2018 campaign in style like he did, again, Super Comp win and Super Street win, this week's Super Performance Who's Hot had to go to the Great Northwest and Justin Cooper. Yeah, great job there by Justin. We've talked about it on these guys that double up, Luke, and sometimes it's in different classes. And, you know, we talk about one guy may have to hit the bottom one run and hit the pro tree on the next. Obviously, both of these are pro tree style racing. So I imagine Justin really got in the groove there hitting that pro tree. And uh, obviously, it paid off big time for him with the Super Comp and Super Street win. So great job, Mr. Cooper. And great start to your year. Wish I had picked you and the uh, NHRA Pickums. Yeah, I might have to get on that and support one of our This Is Bracket Racing Elite members. That's a, That was a subliminal, not so subliminal plug. Justin <laughs> Cooper, member of This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. You've been waiting all winter long, hearing them go on and on. So you can prove them all wrong. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And, and and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will be May the 25th through the 27th, and it will be held at Darlington Dragway in Hartsville, South Carolina. This event will provide a little something for everyone. It's got Ironman. It's got big checks for the winners. There's round prizes. And the main event will be a $10,000 to win race on Saturday, while Sunday will pay $5,000 to win. Now, both races allow electronics. No box entries will be kept separate until only one remains. That racer will roll right into the next round of the box class, and they'll get a $1,000 bonus 
in the Saturday program and a $500 bonus in the Sunday program. If that racer is an IHRA Summit Super Series member, they receive another bonus of $500. Pre-entry is only $150 for the Darlington event, and that will run until May the 14th. So pre-enter now at IHRA.com. In addition to the IHRA, today's podcast is brought to you by the JEGS Summer Door Car Shootout, which returns to my home track, I-57 Drag Strip in Benton, Illinois, July the 20th through the 22nd for the 8th annual edition of the biggest little door car race in the Midwest. The flyer for this year's event will likely be released by the time that you hear this message. If not, it will be out very, very soon. What's new for 2018? We've limited the entries to 200 from 225 in years past in an effort to ensure quality parking and an efficient show. While most didn't think it was possible, we've added significantly to the overwhelming prize pool with bigger, better, and more prizes, bonus awards, contingency, and more throughout the weekend. We've doubled the purse for the Nitrous Express Quick 16. It's now going to be $2,000 to win per racer request. What hasn't changed? Big track purses, small track feel. I think it's a really cool atmosphere at I-57. We've talked about it here on the show before. Incredible and free eats throughout the weekend. Free breakfast every day, racers appreciation barbecue, complimentary ice cream. The King of Illinois shootout is back for 2018. That's our staple event. $500 to enter, 100% payback, winner take all. Saturday night, salute to the fans. Probably the coolest part, specifically of last year's event, because we packed the place with uh, the Mickey Thompson burnout contest, the Jegs Wheelie Wagon contest, in addition to the conclusion of the main event action. Entry will open on Tuesday, May 15th, with just 200 spots. This is going to fill quickly. For details and entry forms, visit www.i57s for summer, d for door, c for car, s for shootout. That's www.i57sdcs.com. Okay, joining us now is the only driver to ever win a Junior Dragster National Championship, a Super Comp National Championship, and a Top Fuel World Championship in NHRA racing. He is the current driver of the Global Electronic Technology Funny Car for Kalitta Racing. He is also the co-host to the Nomex Effect podcast. Great to have Sean Langdon on our hotline tonight. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good. We appreciate you taking some time to join us. We know you got a busy schedule. Well, I'm I'm glad it appears that way. I actually do have a week off, so this is this is something I, I haven't been too familiar with this year. Been doing quite a bit of racing between uh, running the funny car, trying to get used to that, and running a little bit in the uh, with my super comp car, doing some bracket racing, and so uh, nice to have a week off finally. Well, I'm sure it is nice to have a week off, but you just talked about it a little bit. So let's start out with that. The transition to Funny Car. Obviously, you have uh, won at the highest level in Top Fuel Dragster. You won a world championship there. The team decided to kind of go a different direction and field a Funny Car with you as the driver. Tell us a little bit about that transition and how that has gone and how you hope it continues to go. Well, at the end of last year with Alexis DeJoria, retiring there was an opportunity to an open seat in the funny car it was something that they had come to me when they had learned that alexis wanted to retire and 
and uh, focus more on their family and everything. And they had come to me and asked me if I had any interest in it. And to me, I just, I love driving. I love racing. I kind of entertained the thought, uh, but didn't really put a whole lot behind it because I was very comfortable in a, in a dragster. Uh, I loved racing dragsters. I've driven dragsters my whole life. But once I kind of got to talking with Steve and Samantha Bryson from Global Electronic Technology, and we kind of went over a bunch of different things and and then talking with Jim Oberhofer and uh, Chad Head at Coletta Racing, and we just kind of thought it'd be a good opportunity. It would open up the seat that I was in, would allow us to bring in Richie Crampton full-time to where we'd be able to field two funny cars and, and two dragsters. And, you know, I was a little kind of apprehensive at first, just never even sat in a funny car. So I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I like a challenge. I've always been a competitive guy by nature. So the opportunity to drive something that I'm not familiar with kind of sparked my interest a little bit. So kind of when I got into it, was able to license in Vegas at the end of last year and was able to make a couple runs. A couple runs weren't pretty. One run almost hit the wall. One run was all over the place, overdrove it, shut it off early. So after that weekend was kind of a little bit of a head scratcher of, what am I getting myself into now? You know, <laughs> is this and, really what I want to do? <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit of that. And, uh, even going into testing earlier this year in Arizona, it was a little bit of, of the same thing. Just, it's crazy that, I mean, I've been racing since 1994 from the junior dragster ranks through sportsman racing, driven numerous different types of cars and, a lot of times, just once you change cars, it's just kind of getting familiarized inside of a vehicle where everything is at. And then you kind of, as you're progressing in speed and going faster, it's just kind of getting mentally slowing your mind down to be able to get caught up with a car. So generally, it'll take a couple runs to do that. But getting into the funny car, I'm, and I'm now 10, 12 runs into this deal, and I just feel so far mentally behind the car. And it just, it got to a point where, it just it was so frustrating and and I started kind of second guessing myself on on certain things that I was how I was addressing the problems of if the car was making a move this way or that way and how I was driving it and it that even kind of transpired into the first couple races when the car would go out there and smoke the tires and how I would pedal the car when it was smoking the tires and and then the funny cars the dragsters are, are pretty stable for the most part if you're able to catch them quick in the tire shake or tire smoke. But the funny car, when it makes those moves, it makes an aggressive move. There's really no soft movements in a funny car. It's going straight or it's turning one way or the other. So to try to keep myself mentally right where I wasn't second-guessing myself and I wasn't losing confidence, uh, it's taken a little bit of time. I'm still learning. I mean, even last weekend when we were in uh, Atlanta, um, just every time the car does something and, and uh, I'm learning and it's just a, a constant learning progress or, you know, in, in those cars. What's the biggest difference just strictly from a driving standpoint, Sean, between the fuel car and the, and the funny car was the biggest obstacle maybe you had to overcome initially. I would say that it's just how the car drives. There's a little bit different feel of, of sitting behind the motor now rather than sitting in front of it in a dragster so you're able to see everything so that's more intimidating when you're warming the car up because you don't have the, the body on it so the motor is basically sitting right in front of your feet 
But once the body comes down on a run, all that is closed off. So a little bit of being enclosed inside of the funny car, which I was able to, that didn't really affect me much just because I was able to make some runs in a canopy dragster, which was a similar feeling once they closed the canopy, just being enclosed like that. But I would say definitely the biggest difference is just how they drive. A dragster, how you steer a dragster and the moves you make in a dragster, you basically throw everything out the window and you start all over because a funny car does nothing that you think it's going to do. And it's just so unpredictable. Right when you think the thing's going to go left, it's going to go right. You know, starting a year out, they had me point in the car to the right a little bit because when it leaves and it washes out a little bit, it, it'll eventually come straight. And and now we've made some <laughs> tracking improvements where... <laughs> this thing's where, only got 10,000 horsepower, just angle stage or a little bit for us, Sean. Whoa. That, you know, and... <laughs> It, those are part of the struggles that I'm I'm having with it. It's just like, I got to do what? But, you know, just some cool things that, that we've been able to do with Collider Racing is working with TRD, Toyota Racing Development. And so we have a couple guys that are constantly in contact and, and out at every single race. So there's a lot of things that we work with them on just, uh, you know, with the body and with the chassis and, and different stuff like that. So you know, we've been able to make some pretty good chassis adjustments to where, you know, now that the cars drive a little bit, a little bit better to where you're not having to make as big of moves as I felt like I had to testing last year or testing in the beginning of the year. So it's, uh, I would definitely say that the the steering has just been the, the hardest thing to get used to just how much steering input to have in it. When's the proper time to, there's been a couple runs that I've had my left hand over my right hand, completely turning the steering wheel the other way, just to kind of keep the car from making a hard move. And so it's just the proper times of, of making those the movements in the steering wheel to keep the thing off the wall or off the center line. You've been keeping an eye on the check engine lights? <laughs> yeah, yes, that, that, was, that was a funny story. Is When I got my license last year, they said, the check engine lights ever come on, uh, then, then, you know, to get out of the car, I'm thinking <laughs> there ain't, there's no dash in this thing. Like, what, what do you guys talk about? Well, there's two little, uh, clear, like plexiglass in the bottom part of the firewall. And if they ever go yellow, that means you're on fire. You need to get out. <laughs> you, uh, you shared right, that well, story with me <laughs> shortly after testing. Yeah. So I thought I'd bring it back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily we haven't had any check engine lights. I was able to experience uh, last weekend my first uh, kind of, a, I guess, what you call it, pop, but it actually, right when I stepped off the, the throttle, it actually broke the camshaft. And so when it did that, it, it popped the blower real loud and, and blew out the burst panels, which actually cracked the windshield. But uh, but luckily, luckily we didn't have any, uh, it wasn't catastrophic, didn't blow the body off, but it, it's definitely with all that horsepower that's sitting right in front of you, it's enough to get your attention. I can only imagine. Sean, as interesting as the conversation has been to this point, and while we, and when I say we, obviously Jed and I, but I would say the vast majority of our listeners tend to cheer for you and really all the pros who have kind of graduated up through the sportsman ranks, like Jag or Clay or Erica or on down the line, like we feel like you're one of us. So, with that said, like, 
We don't really care what's going on in Nitro Funny Car. What's your <laughs> sportsman program looking like these days? <laughs> well, I, I actually had a plan, and my plan was to go to the Charlotte National Run Super Comp, and then I was going to go to uh, Spring Fling over or the fling over in Galat, and then I was going to go run Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then head over to Atlanta National Thursday night after the race and go run super comp and funny car there. And just one of them things, man, first burnout, break a tip off, off a valve. So, uh, in the super comp car. So, so that basically ended that whole plan that I had. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't really a, a, uh, uh, two weeks uh, that I want to remember losing two first rounds and, and uh, breaking the motor in my super comp car. I'm excited for my week off. Let's just say that. <laughs> Things are worse than we realized. Have you still got the Cavalier too? Yeah, I do have the Cavalier. Uh, it's it's actually down at Todd's house right now and eventually we'll get it back together, but just been pretty crazy schedule. Uh, I was able to go over there in between Charlotte and Atlanta. So I was able to get the the motor back over there and uh, over to Huntsville engine and, and get it worked on and come back bigger and faster, hopefully the next time. And been pretty fortunate just racing as much as I do that. Uh, that's the first time I've, I've ever had a, I guess, a major engine breakage. I mean, other than just the little stuff of changing lifters or valve springs. So first um, time, like I ever? guess after, yeah, that's the first time I've ever broke a valve. Wow. So I mean, I, I don't want to jinx myself, but haven't had anything come out the bottom of <laughs> the light. motor as well. So <laughs> that's crazy. I guess after for as about, much racing as you've that, done, that's nuts. I've been very, very lucky. I guess everything's in a little bit of uh, flux and limbo until that gets done. But any plans for where to race those cars next? Yeah, I have some plans that I I would like to do in the summertime. Potentially run a couple of the uh, national events. Possibly going to try to run Indy for sure. And then there's a couple races, you know, obviously the million at the end of the year. And then if I can uh, sneak away to a couple of, you know, the other 50 granders or potentially make uh, some of those SSG races, those races are are pretty good right now, pretty hot races. So maybe do some of those. I got in two weeks going out to California, going to go help Chris Forsyth put on his race out at Fontana, uh, the West Coast Classic. So got a pretty busy schedule with it all. But yeah, I'm going to definitely try to, once we get the, the car back up and running, uh, try to get out and, and race as much as possible. Well, Sean, I, I, I wouldn't offer this just to anybody, but you being who you are, if there's any foot brake races you want to go to, you're more than welcome to take the Nova. So if you just need something to get you through this time, I'm here for you, bud. <laughs> so uh, if you, no if foot you brake races. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> If it piques your interest in Big Red anymore, like it almost went over backwards and sideways in the last calendar year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really what happen. I'm thinking, that it, it's a little more dangerous. But the good thing is, if I were to race your, your car, I'd probably only put about three runs on it a day. So, I mean, that's if they're giving two qualifying runs. So, I don't, I don't yep. think I'm going to put a lot of runs on it. <laughs> I hear you. So I consider myself a sportsman racer, Sean, and I know I have asked you personally hundreds of dumb questions. And you generally tell me that's the dumbest question I've ever heard. But <laughs> what really I is... I don't believe I've ever said that to you. Well, your memory's <laughs> poor. What really is the dumbest question you get from sportsman racers? Besides, hey, man, how much money are they paying you? 
What's really the dumbest question? <laughs> might be a better oh. question of, of how often do you get asked, hey, man, does going that fast in that nitro car make everything slow down and you go bracket racing? I bet you've never yeah, got Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's probably one of the, the most, I guess, get is, you know, does it feel slow running these cars now? Or, you know, what does it feel like to drive the funny car? And, it, you know, it's the, I guess to answer those questions for a lot of the people that probably have that question is that driving a funny car or top fuel car, I mean, there's just nothing that compares to it. So it's, it's really hard to really describe everything to put it in, in a sense that somebody would understand it because there's really nothing that compares to it. So it's, you know, you try the best that you can to describe it. And, and we've done some pretty cool in-car camera video footage of it and but even just for me like watching the in-car camera footage you know you look at it and it's you can see that it's you know traveling at a pretty fast rate but it's just when with everything going on inside of the race car of just the the acceleration of the g-forces and you know the thing moving all around and senses that you kind of get inside of the race car i mean there's nothing that i've i've done in in my life that's even come close to it well so you kind of already told me, but speaking of dumb questions, is there any value that, that you can derive from your nitro experience when you get into your bracket or your super class car? Is there anything that's similar that you take with you? You know, I think I've probably taken more out of bracket racing into driving the nitro cars than I have taken out of the nitro cars into bracket racing. And what I mean by that is just how tough it is to race at a competitive level bracket racing. I mean, you, you just have to flat out be good all the time. Yeah. Consistency that you have to have at the driving level of, you know, just making time runs at nine in the morning to, you know, potentially making your final round run at, at midnight. But it's just being good all the time, being consistent all the time, getting a routine and consistently doing your routine, not letting another driver in the other lane change your routine and then it mess you up. Being able to be flexible in your routine to where being able to adapt to certain situations, racing for big amounts of money that can pay your bills or even change your life and doing that in front of your friends and your peers uh, and, you know, now with a lot of the motor mania and bang shift and all that uh, of doing it on a big stage where a lot of people are watching you, I think I've been able to take a lot of that and put that into the top fuel racing to where once I get in that race car, I feel like there's nothing in the world that can rattle me. Now, dealing with the TV cameras and the media and all that stuff, I feel like I've been able to take a little bit of that and able to help my, I guess, sportsman or bracket racing career to where if companies want to talk to you about you running pro their product or, you know, being the face of their, their company or, or, you know, helping their company reach another level. I feel like I've been able to take from the top fuel side of just, that's kind of like an everyday business, you know, sports and racing is more of just the focus on racing. And then you try to get the, these companies to help you along the way, but it's more of in the top fuel category where you're the primary focus is these companies because you can't run without these companies. Sure. There's no way. So your primary focus is, 
to take care of these companies and to take care of the fans. And then you're kind of just a little bit of getaway time is the four seconds that you're making your run in the top fuel car. Sean, we led today's show with the topic that's at the forefront of our hearts and minds this week, obviously, after the passing of two sportsman racers and, and on-track incidents. And talking to you just has me curious, like while the risk or the threat of danger is very real in any class of sportsman drag racing, obviously that risk just increases in the nitro categories. If for no other reason than you're hurtling yourself through our earth at speeds of over 300 miles per hour. Like we talked earlier in the show about how you kind of reconcile the, the risk versus the reward or justify it to yourself. Like, I'm just curious, do you have any fears behind the wheel and, and how do you, when you work through that mentally, how do you justify the risk? I justify it because I'm, I'm doing what I love, but I think with where the sports at right now, one of the, the primary focuses is safety. Obviously, you can't control the uncontrollable. And when you're put in a situation where things happen in a sense, I mean, things can happen going down the freeway. Things can happen when you're in an airplane, when you're sitting at a stoplight, when you're walking down the road, those are just, you know, uncontrollable circumstances. So we try to prepare ourselves the best that we can to constantly monitor the safety aspect of running the top fuel car, always wearing the proper safety equipment, always trying to be one step ahead. And we're always trying to cover the worst case scenarios. So obviously a lot of the, in the beginning of this year with a lot of the body explosions, you know, that was obviously a big safety concern, you know, like with uh, Yanni Lindbergh and John Force getting into one another. So there was a lot of safety measures that we took uh, within our team, but also talked with the other teams as well to continue to improve safety. And, and we've been very, very fortunate for the last quite a few years that we haven't had any, you know, major, major incidents in the top fuel division. But I always just kind of just look at it as, uh, you know, you got to do what you love. And I love drag racing. Obviously, we all know there's risk. There's risk every day in life. But if you're, if you're afraid of what could happen, you'll never be able to reach your full potential and never really be able to fully enjoy life. So life's all about taking risks. Life's all about enjoying it and, and doing what you love. And, uh, and I'm able to do that. So I just I try to do the best that I can as far as, like I said, with the safety aspect of things, even when I get into my, my sportsman car, you know, just wearing all the proper safety equipment. And, you know, it's just, it, it's very unfortunate. And, you know, obviously with what happened last weekend, you know, having, having two incidents like that, I mean, that's, uh, we don't want to see that in the sport. So all we can do is, is try to do the best that we can to, uh, you know, wear the proper safety equipment and, uh, keep everybody safe. Well said, Sean, Let's end this portion of the interview with you telling us about this uh, new adventure that you're on with uh, J.R. Todd. You guys have a new podcast, and it has a really cool name and a really cool logo. Tell us about both and the show. Well, you know, it, it kind of just started off where uh, J.R. and I, you know, we just obviously we're, we're good buddies and we're teammates. So we're always just kind of talking with one another and, and, uh, just, a, there's so many topics in, in the world of drag racing. And we just kind of thought that, you know, it, 
it was actually brought to our attention by some of our other friends and, and, uh, and guys that worked on the team and stuff that just all the stuff that we always talk about, they're like, man, you guys should really talk about that to the fans. Cause some of the stuff that you guys talk about is pretty cool. It's pretty entertaining is a lot of the stuff just the, in the middle of the week. And, and that was kind of one thing that we had thought about was there's not a lot on the, you watch the NHRA show and it shows all the stuff in the racing. And then it kind of goes into the next week where they go to the next race and they talk about the next race, but what about all the stuff in between? So I guess our primary focus of it is just to kind of carry on the conversation from the, the weekend before, and then to continue the conversations, just to kind of keep the flow going. And then also to kind of talk about the, the upcoming race and just the, the hot topics, the stuff that goes on that a lot of the fans don't get to see because it doesn't get to make the TV show. So, you know, we just kind of, we kind of hit around the idea for a while and we kind of contemplated it. And, and then we just kind of just said, yeah, you know, you, I mean, we're both kind of in the same boat where, you know, we don't want to ruffle any feathers and we don't want to, I guess, upset anybody by maybe talking about things that we shouldn't talk about. But then again, the fans always have a right to know. And, and a lot of the stuff that uh, I guess at times that we may just think is just kind of normal everyday stuff is, is actually really cool stuff. And I, I guess I kind of just thought about when I was a kid, it's like, man, how cool would that be to watch a, a show or, or listen to a podcast where guys that I watch race every weekend talk about racing and talk about things that I don't know about and things that I don't get to see during the week. So we just kind of took it from there and, and uh, we've done a couple episodes now and, and uh, we're just going to try to continue to do it and, and enjoy doing it. And we kind of stumbled across the name, I guess, of the Nomex effect, just more of just in joking out to dinner one night. And, and one of us just kind of brought up like, Hey, you know, Nomex effect. And we all just kind of looked at each other like, that's it. That's <laughs> <home run>. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we kind of just, we had kicked around probably 20 different names and, but it's just, once that name popped out, it's like the Nomex effect, you know, it's, it's, uh, the Nomex that the drivers wear, it's always the, the Nomex effect. And so we went with that and then we kind of played around with a couple little, I guess, logos or stuff like that for the Nomex effect. And stumbled across that with the, uh, actually what, what kind of inspired that deal was, I don't know if many people know it, but the, the Ric Flair t-shirt where he's got the sunglasses and the hair and it, it says, you know, the, the obvious Ric Flair <laughs> yeah. blue. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, we, we kind of just thought, well, that's what we need to do. We both got beards. We both always wear sunglasses. So we got to do the, the beard and the sunglasses. So came out with that and just everything just kind of fell into place on it. Well, I, I watched uh, the one, I, I don't know, Sean, everything runs together for me. Two or three weeks ago, I guess, is when you guys did it last. Is that about right? Yeah. So right now what we're doing is we're doing a kind of a biweekly uh, show just so we can kind of get things going. Yeah. I watched that and, you know, you say you don't want to ruffle any feathers. You say <laughs> stuff you shouldn't say, but man, you guys offered a lot of insight into what's going on. Like not when there's not race in action or we're thrashing on cars you guys offered a lot of insight to what's happening at the track within your group, your category, what have you, your team. So it was really cool. People, people need to check this out because it's uh, it was a great show. Yeah, no, I thought it was refreshing along those same lines of what I view as kind of a corporate 
buttoned up world of what we at least get to see of the professional racers to i just felt like you guys were kind of uncensored is the is the word but like just more free to talk about whatever came to mind and i thought that that was really refreshing so for our listeners if you haven't already check them out it's the nomex effect facebook it's the best place to find you right now sean yeah we have a nomex effect on facebook nomex effect on instagram on twitter we also have our youtube channel nomex effect we put all of our facebook live videos on there as well so you can definitely check that out when we do our shows we like to do a, you know we talk about a lot of stuff but then we also like to do the fan interaction as well so we encourage the fans uh, anybody get on the, our facebook ask questions you ask the questions we'll answer them <laughs> you do. I, I got to see that firsthand as well. You and Jr. Todd again are the hosts of that show. So guys, check them out. It's a great show, and you know where we're focused on sportsman drag racing. These guys have insight into the highest level of racing, and definitely something you want to see and check out. All those uh, social media outlets that he talked about. So, Sean. First and foremost, thank you for this time. We appreciate it very much, but we're not done with you yet. Now, we like to end our interviews with what we call rapid fire. And Luke and I will will ask you a a question and you, it's kind of a short, you know, answer. First thing pops in your head. You just tell us what answer you give from there. So you you think you're up for that? Because this could be a little intimidating for a top fuel racer. Uh, who's answering or who's asking the questions and who's got the sensor button? <laughs> yeah, as I as I look over the questions that I have lined up here, like mine are way too serious in nature. I should have had a little more fun with this, but I'll lead us off. Better memory, Sean Langdon, <laughs> accepting the Wally for your Junior Dragster National Championship, Super Comp National Championship, of which I guess you pick either one, or Top Fuel World Championship. I'm gonna go with Top Fuel World Championship, Sean. Which would you rather have, a day on the golf course or a day on the water? Day on the golf course. Biggest positive influence in your racing career? My dad. Spent some time with him this weekend, by the way. Favorite sportsman class? Super calm. Okay, this one may not quite fit the rapid-fire description, but I thought it'd be fun. Feel free to take as much time as you want. Funniest prank played on you or by you on someone else? I did have a laundry detergent bottle roped to my bumper, and I drove around with it all day. (laughs) (laughs) Never saw it. (laughs) Or heard it. (laughs) All right. Did you lose a bet, or did you just not realize it was there all day? No, it's uh, (laughs) an ex-roommate that I had, and and we constantly played jokes on one another, and and, uh, I took off in the morning to go to – go work and go do a couple things and a couple hours later i get a phone call and says uh how's your day going good anybody honk at you yeah why he goes you might want to pull over and check your bumper yep well there's a laundry detergent by that, that time all the detergent was out of it and the thing had 100 holes in it but it was a good one i bet that toyota pickup was just dragging that thing around like it wasn't even there that's good stuff <laughs> so sean again <laughs> inside joke but thanks bud mate really enjoyed it this was a lot of fun hope everyone goes and checks out the nomex effect it's a great show you and jr do a great job we wish you a lot of success in that wild ride that you're in right now for uh, global electronic technology and 
but just hope you turn on a lot of wind lights going forward. We appreciate your time tonight. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on the show and definitely enjoy you guys' show. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap. All right, Luke. So uh, we got some things on tap, but there's something at the top of the list that uh, is very, very important that we need to start out with. Yeah, most race promoters learned long ago that uh, this isn't a weekend you mess with. (laughs) No, it ain't. ain't. We have uh, Mother's Day coming up Sunday. And to all the mothers out there that uh, listen to the show or even the ones that don't listen to the show, we wish you have a, a wonderful day on your special day. And to all the men that do listen to the show, for the mother in your life, whether it's your own or the mother of your children, be smart. Don't be stupid. Don't go playing golf, working on the race car, telling her you think you got that little noise out of it or whatever. She don't <laughs> care about that. Some flowers, maybe a little chocolate. A very nice dinner and wash a load of clothes for her or some dishes or some do something nice for the mother in your life or the mothers in your life. This is, as we like to say, a public service announcement. Guys, Mother's Day is Sunday. Just so you know. But with that in mind for the What's on Tap portion of the show, not a lot of racing on tap this weekend. Uh, As I said before, race promoters learned long ago this is a weekend for mom, not necessarily a weekend for racing. Nothing big on the schedule, so we'll actually have to get a little bit creative next week, Big Jed. I don't think we'll have a lot to talk about. So that could be dangerous. (laughs) In theory, could result in like a 20-minute podcast, but you guys all know we're, we're not capable of that. We will find something to gas bag about for longer than we should. So <laughs> with that wait. in mind, I did want to use this portion of the show, Big Jed, to just recap, rehash a little bit of last week. We got a lot of feedback from the listeners. I think you guys had as much, maybe more fun with the retro phrases than we did. I got a couple brought up. I don't know how we missed this. I don't know how this wasn't a part of last week's show, but the dry hop, Big Jed. Yeah, I don't know how we missed that either, because that was at the highest level of drag racing, not just in what we do, but everybody dry hopped back in the day. And um, that is making a comeback as if you're on Facebook and you have some racing friends, you know, the dry hops making a comeback. So bringing it back. Yeah, it's retro and it's uh, whatever recent or whatever you'd say there. But uh, Luke, I think you got a, a dry hop story that you'd like to tell. Yeah, I'll try to condense this because I feel like we're on another record-breaking, like, 90-minute podcast. But back in the day, as you said, everybody did dry hops were the thing. Everybody did a dry hop, right? My dad took the dry hop to the next level because you'd think, like, you do a burnout, give it a little, you know, a little, little dry hop, right? Oh, oh, yeah, very familiar. My dad had a... I believe it was a 74 Vega. No, it's not the same 74 Vega that I own today. Like, it never really got crazy. You know, Vegas are kind of known for trying to flip over backwards, right? It'd do a nice <laughs> wheelie. It never did anything crazy, right? Well, we're on a, a crisp fall evening at, uh, at Texas Raceway. It was good. And my dad, he didn't, he wasn't one to go halfway on anything. So where most would give it a little, stall it up a little bit, kick it once on the dry hop. No, no, that's not how we roll. We did a full <laughs> trans break up against the two-step. 
<laughs> I mean, dry hop, right? Checked it I all. Had to make sure them tires was going to hold on the starting line. <laughs> so we performed one of these from, I don't know, 10 feet behind the starting line. And the old Vega went up higher than it had ever gone before on the bumper. And at that point, like, you can't lift, right? You're going to tear something up. So Pops <laughs> rode her out. I mean, like, to the gear change. Lou. I might be embellishing this a little bit because I was like 10. <laughs> so it seemed like a really big deal. But I, if he didn't go past the 330 on the back tires, he got close. <laughs> okay. We went way down there. This was in competition. This is like second or third round. Super Pro Texas Raceway back in the day. <laughs> and my pop sets her down, gets her woed up, and in reverse faster than he was in forward. He's down in there and staged up for the round. <laughs> that's my daddy big jet a 330 foot dry hop wheelie backed it up staged it for the competition round best <laughs> and i've ever seen i'm pretty sure he won around too legendary legendary wish i could have seen it good stuff uh, we also had uh handicap racing brought up in the, the retro phrases that nobody says that anymore it's bracket racing uh, yeah no according to the comment that was something that i said like as not a retro phrase like i just preferred something by handicap style racing and apparently that's not the most politically correct way to even phrase it so we'll just talk it's bracket racing sorry didn't mean to offend anybody yeah because they they handicapped way before this form of bracket racing so i get that okay um, that's fair I uh, had somebody talk about uh, driving it out the back door, or I pushed him out. You might say it one way or the other, but uh, we used to hear a lot of that. Don't don't hear that quite so much anymore. Um, what else do we have there? Oh, you, you got to take this one. Look, this is your this is your deal here. I, we we made we poked a little bit of fun, and I didn't. I guess I should have realized the cult following that this movie has. We talked a little bit about Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused last week. And what's so funny is that the whole line from the movie, like Matthew McConaughey's character, like uses over half of the things that he says were included in our retro phrases. And I can't do it justice, Jed. Like I have it written out here in front of me. I'm not going to try to read it. We're just going to play it for you. Let me tell you what Melbourne Post is packing right here. All right, we've got 411 Posse Track Outback, 750 Double Pumper, Edelbrock Intake, Scored Over 30, 11 to 1 Pop-Up Pistons, Turbo Jet, 390 horsepower. We're talking some muscle. All right, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, and what a fun one it was. I want to say thanks to our guest, Sean Langdon. Be sure to go check out the Nomex Effect that uh, he and J.R. Todd are co-hosting again, as we said during the interview that's uh, a really good show. I want to say thanks to our awesome sponsors, the Seabrook Performance, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular, and the JEGS Summer Door Car Shootout. Shout out time. Shout out Derek Elam, W Stock Automatic Pinto. Shout out to Pinto Racers everywhere. <laughs> Shout out to Bill Groton and the coolest $10,000 winning car we've seen in a long time. Shout out to the King. Shout out to our buddy Carl Watts. Shout out to Toyota Pickups. Shout out David Wooderson. If I lost you, <laughs> well, if you don't know, you just don't know. <laughs> I'll throw one in. Shout out to the MVP, Larry Martin. Guys, be sure to tell us what you think. Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page and tell us the good or the bad. Whatever you're thinking, 
message us and let us know. Or you can add us on Twitter. That is a little more public. So if you don't like us, be kind. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X. Fun show. Thanks for tuning in. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Whoa, whoa. You know what we forgot? What did we forget? Lay it in there, Jed. What? You take it. I don't know. There's don't know. two shout outs. We got to get them in. Oh, shout out Cole Castile and shout out Crosby, North Dakota. Whew, my last close. All right. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot like in it, anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.